Checklist Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Heavy D Podcast. And the purpose, as you know, of this podcast is to become a better person and to have more success, more happiness, more fulfillment. You want to make more money, we're going to find ways to help you make more money. You want to be more dynamic, successful, a good, uh, you know, a better public speaker, whatever it is you're trying to improve on, we're going to give you little tips and tricks along the way to get you to where you want to go. Today is a very special episode because I have one of my longtime friends and lifetime mentor joining us on the show, and it's not Diesel Dave, and it's not Kenny, and it's not Marcus Wing, even though they are joining us tonight, and they're some of my best friends, and they're with us on the show regularly, and they all have excellent insight in the areas we're talking about, but the reason I'm excited is because we have Mr. Rich Eggett from Rockwell Watches and from so many other ventures on Here, Centerville, Watch yeah. Recreations. What was yeah. it? What was the four wheeler brand? Uh, Casillas. Yeah. So Rich, Rich is here, mogul. and you guys have heard me talk about Rich in tons of like in our book that we wrote. You've heard me talk about him when we were on uh, Andy Frazella's podcast, and there's a reason for that because Rich is a wealth of of like this guy is a wealth of information and knowledge and just overall good advice, and he's a branding and marketing wizard i'm telling he he like everything i learned about branding marketing and overall you know brand awareness i learned from this guy because i was with him um as he was kind of getting his new watch company rockwell time off the ground back in 2008 2009 2007 yeah 2007 is when they started and then uh we came along a couple years later and worked with him and he taught me a lot of good things so rich thank you for being here hey thanks for having me appreciate Uh, it you I don't think what a lot of people probably don't realize is when you think mentor, you think somebody who's significantly older than you. You're not that older. Like I'm old, bro. What are you now? 45? <laughs> 49, 48. Okay. You're I still, turn 49 next week. You're not that old. Uh, you're in your 40s. You know what I've always liked about Rich is he still keeps it kind of hood. You know what I mean? Like you look at him and it's like he's still got the beanie. But he's, he's, not, the, he's not the old guy that's wearing the no, flat brim hat that I mean. looks like, dude, take the flat brim hat off. You no, know what I mean? My wife fitting. told me that the other day. I, I We were going on, the, on a show down in LA and I was like, have backwards or frontwards. And she's like, you can still wear it backwards for the next couple of years until you get to the point where you can't. <laughs> but Rich hasn't hit that level. Like he's still like, no. you're just one of the bros. And what a lot of people don't understand or what you don't know because we haven't told you this yet is uh, Marcus and I both worked for Rich at a very young age. Uh, I was 17 or 18 and you were... I was 18, yeah. And uh, Rich hired us to be the parts guys at a Honda motorcycle dealership that he ran here in town. And it was honestly... My first real job, other than working at the Lagoon Amusement Park, and it was easily my favorite job I'd ever had. Like, easily. Hands down, right? A lot of perks at working at Honda Centerville. There definitely was. That was a fun time. Building Fast 50s in the parts department, you know. This was probably 2002, 2003. Yeah, this was right before I went on an LDS mission, which was 2003. So I think it must have been 2002. Yep. So Marcus moved here from California. We became buddies. He then began to work for Rich at the parts store. Marcus started to, Marcus was getting ready to leave on his mission. He needed to find a replacement. So then he introduced me to Rich and I got hired. I didn't know you before Marcus, right? No, I think it was right through. You uh, wanted the discount Marcus. at the motorcycle shop. When you found out that I worked there, it was like, you was like honey to a bee. You know what I mean? Yeah, you were absolutely. like, let me get that motorcycle dirt bike discount, yep. you know? And, and so, when I crashed and almost broke my neck, you both drove right by me. New Year's Day. I still have that. uh, New Year's Day. What? what, The New Year's Day race when we were all loading up. uh, Was that the Salt Lake Enduro Cross? I think I must have been gone. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're doing a race. They have an arena cross at uh, the time it was a Delta Center. And so we were all loading up to get ready to go. Riding, we're, I'm riding the CR500 down. Ah, that's the, on video. Yeah, that's on a Godfrey yeah, it's, video. It's on a video. It's yeah. on. Uh, 
Yeah, it's on a lot of videos, like bloopers. And <laughs> so I'm writing the, we're loading up. I'm writing the CR500, which we had 11 of three years after they quit making them. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a little marketing and I'll write it in the arena cross. Riding a Willie about 40 miles an hour down the frontage road, getting ready to load up New Year's <laughs> Eve. And I fall off the back of the bike. Bike just tumbles right in front of the place. Everyone that works there is out front. I can't move. I got in somebody else's car. The guy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, can you please give me a ride home? <laughs> they load my bike. We meet the next morning at 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. to go to the race. And I get my bikes. The handlebars are twisted. The front tire's flat. We have a practice lap. I, I get out there, and I'm like, I just got to make one lap around this thing, and then I'll go back in and fix it. I crash so bad, and I break my, my crack my helmet <laughs> – my foot peg goes through my boot. And it was the most slow motion over no, the bars you've no, ever seen no, in look, your life. I was in the sportsman's class where you're not allowed to jump. All right. You're not allowed to jump. So I had to go up the jump and then as fast as I could the other side. A guy spit some dirt on me. And so I said, yeah, I'll show this dude. So I got in front of him on a CR 500. So I went up fast and spit dirt on him. He spit dirt on me. The next one, I'm like, I'm going to go big time spit some dirt. I go as fast as I can. I was 260 at the time. So... I go up, I go a little too high, and I spit the dirt. There's no dirt. It's pure air. So when I land, I shoot like a rocket ship to the other. So I hit the other, the back face of the jump. I go full, this, this CR500, it'll do, and hit the next lip and shoot like 30 feet through the air. As I'm doing a Superman to a kiss of death to a pile driver into the dirt, a break CR the CR500 on an arena crash. I feel like this yeah. crash lasted like 45 oh, seconds. It so was, was like the, the worst the, chain of events uh, you've ever listen, seen. I, I'm, the, I'm dying. I think I broke my neck. I, I, I think I'm dead. And all of a sudden, in the video, all I know is I, I look up and there's a guy that I, I really didn't get along with. And I'm like, I can't. I can't die in front of this guy. No names. So I get up and ride off the track. I ended up, uh, you know, I go to the doctor the next day. My wife's pregnant, and he's like, "Hey," he goes to shake my hand. I'm like, "Oh, don't touch my hand." It's and <laughs> end up getting X-rays there. I walked out of there with two casts or two braces on my arms. Neck's almost broken. Dude, we gotta find that footage. Oh, it's it's I was all definitely gone. Look, I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, well, remember then, the video. I'm watching the video, and as I go down. I look at Sparks drive by me and just look at me. Didn't even stop to see if I was still alive. I look at Wade drive by, Jason Anderson. Every one of my guys drove by me and left me laying on the ground. Put them and they all just on kept, blast. Kept, kept practicing, yep. and I, I could have died. That At least was. he doesn't hold a grudge. Yeah, sounds like he's, he's letting over it, it right? go. <laughs> yeah, dude, no big deal though. I'm good. He's moved on. So that's the best part about Rich is as as a boss, this guy would take us out to do cool stuff and not just let us do it, but do it with us. That was probably one of the most enjoyable parts about working with you, Rich, was the fact that uh, you know when we moved into the new facility here in Woods Cross, had the old hangar, you said, let's build a pit bike track in and out of the building. Inside the building. That <laughs> so was so awesome. The building that we were trying to operate a motorcycle shop out of and sell helmets and stuff out of, we were also running a, like a, a mini bike track through the building. It was the greatest. And you guys were single and it almost got me divorced because yeah. I, every night I was getting home at 11 o'clock at night because yep, we're holding motorcycle bikes. races. So uh, explain to the listeners the evolution of your business, which... I think probably the best place to start would be the rental business, right? That's kind of where everything kicked off. Yeah, yeah. Um, we called it bikes. I actually started at Wasatch, Wasatch Recreation. Recreation. Yeah, and so we we decided we would. Uh, everybody wanted to ride cool equipment, and not everybody could afford it. So now it's pretty commonplace that you can go rent a motorcycle or a snowmobile or a four wheeler. 
back when we started, the only place you could rent those um, if you were at a resort that rented a wave runner or a resort that rented snowmobiles, nobody rented motorcycles. And we just thought people would want to do that. So we bought a bunch of bikes and snowmobiles and four wheelers and motorcycles and rented them to people. And, and, uh, then we'd go buy used bikes and we, we just, that turned into, uh, a supercross team, which turned into bike sellers, which but that pioneered the <clears throat> the power sports rental business, not only in Utah, but pretty much here in like, yeah, it's back funny. 20 years ago, there was nowhere to go rent you like a CRF no. 450. We were the first uh, place in America, I believe, that you could rent off site, off of a resort. Yeah. In fact, I some of the big companies, I've looked at their rental agreements, or I looked at them shortly after we started five years, and it was our rental agreement. I could just see where they whited out our name. <laughs> first so. time I ever rode a CRF 450 or a 450 in general was one of your rentals. Yeah, me too. I was a two-stroke guy, man. I was a 250 two-stroke guy. Until I rode one of those 450 rentals. 03 was the first year of the 450, right? Of the Honda, something like that. It was like uh, the four, YZ 426 oh, yeah, was the very early. first one. Uh, and that Doug, one would Doug break Henry. your leg yeah. off when you oh, kicked it wrong. Yeah, you kicked yeah. it wrong. You, you could you not start well. those. So you, Rich pioneered this, this business that he kind of parlayed into every other business venture that he, it, that's a good way to put it, right? Like the best yeah. way to oh, put yeah. it is, is the way that he took his success and the things that he was doing, he just applied them towards the next business and took bits and pieces, the elements that worked, and I think you're probably guilty of a lot of the times doing things that you enjoy rather than things that make sense. Yeah. 100%, right. Percent. So 100%. as, as a business owner and a business builder and an entrepreneur, that's a, that's a luxury that you have. You can make that call. You can say, I can either pinch my pennies and save this, save that and have my quality of life be a little bit lower right now, but maybe it's going to be better for the business or, or I can still build my business, but enjoy it along the way, which I think that's probably where I learned how to do that. Like I learned how to enjoy what I'm doing and live in the moment rather than grinding, grinding, grinding. And then 10 years later, hopefully having success. It's all about the ride, right? hundred percent. Like I didn't want to start a rental company. I wanted two snowmobiles, two four wheelers, yeah. two motorcycles, two wave runners, a boat. And it, you know, as, as I was younger, I couldn't afford all that. And so I thought, well, if I want all that stuff, someone else wants it. And I bought it all, rented it to people that then paid my payments on this stuff. And I was able to have a boat. I mean, I was able to have four-wheelers, motorcycles, wave runners, snowmobiles, yeah. and stuff that I could never afford. And then other people were able to take it out on the weekend and and do the same thing. And you could actually find a way to pay for it. Have yeah. somebody else yeah, pay for it. Yeah, have someone else pay for it. And it was fun. You got to meet people. I mean, I think you guys both enjoyed Absolutely. meeting people at the shop. We made a lot of friends at Honda Centerville. It, it, was, it was a lifestyle and, and more of like a, just a, a bunch of bros hanging out and never felt like work. I loved that job more than anything. And when, you know, Marcus and I left on our missions when we were 19, um, like we were left right at the beginning of the heyday. Like Rich was getting ready to build these massive brands. And while we were gone, he was starting to build this empire that we had kind of start started to help, you know, him build in the early days. Obviously he had the other wheels in motion. He brought us in to work for him and do the fun stuff. Um, but Rich, let's talk about your first big real brand. And it's not Wasatch Recreation. What is it? It was Kingdom. Before that. Bike sellers. Bike sellers. Bike sellers. And that, that's how Kingdom started. That was exactly. the crown, man. Yes, it was yep. the crown that Marcus invented. So, like, that. Yeah, it's so crazy sitting here with you two guys who who started really everything we did. I mean, Marcus, uh, we had bike sellers, the brand, and and you just put a crown over the over the what was over, it the, the, or the L or the, the L I or, or something. something the E or something. So think about that, guys. Listen to that name, bike sellers with a Z. Does that sound familiar? It should because our business today 
is diesel sellers. I got that idea from Rich. And this was like an idea that was well, 15, probably 20 years between old. Between both of us, we probably have a thousand websites <laughs> with Z at the end. Yep. Home yep. sellers, bike sellers, diesel sellers. Your GoDaddy like, account. So, I remember you specifically oh, yeah. just buying <laughs> yeah. domains. Yeah. But that was, tell me about like, why, why a brand? Why? Why not? Why, why did Wasatch Recreation? I think you built Wasatch Recreation. That was a good local brick and mortar yeah. brand. But I think you started to, like you were way ahead of your time on a lot of your ideas. And when you thought bike sellers, you thought, is this going to be a local business or is this going to be like a worldwide? Well, we wanted to compete with Auto Trader and Cycle Trader. And we thought bike sellers would be, uh, we got both bike sellers with an S and with a Z, but Z was just a little different. And so um, through that, we thought the best marketing you could do would be to get a Supercross team. And so there's a long story behind the Supercross team. But as we went to the Supercross races, and you guys were both there, we quickly forgot about bike sellers that compete with Auto Trader and Cycle Trader. And people bought our t-shirts and people bought our hats. And we started having a good time. And, and I think we got caught up a little bit in oh my gosh, we own a Supercross team. Here's Joe Gibbs, who is a Super Bowl champion. He owns a Supercross team. I remember going with Greg Godfrey, who when you talk about mentors and great people, Greg Godfrey is one of the, one of the greatest. And everybody knew him. And I remember going to a couple of races and you know we would try to get sponsors for the Supercross team. And it looked like to me that all the sponsors were brands and they were they were cool things. And, and we were selling t-shirts. We had this cool uh, crown logo well, Greg tells a guy, he's like, hey, uh, congrats on your, um, congrats on what you're doing. That's cool. And the guy would go out and he would stick stickers on people's helmets and he was working and, and I said, and Greg and I'd go watch the race and I'd be like, oh, that guy, man, kind of a, kind of like, why isn't he watching the race? He's out like hustling. And he, he would tell people, Hey, thanks for wearing my shoes. And then he would give him stickers and he was hustling and Greg and I would go in and watch the race and we go to the next race and. Same thing. We're th you know, I'm thinking I'm great because I own a Supercross team and I'm in watching and there's this guy out there hustling and he's sticking stickers on people's helmets and giving them their shoes and doing stuff. And I'm kind of making fun of him like, man, that guy's dumb. Why isn't he in watching the race? We're at a Supercross. Why is he hustling? And then we went to San Diego and I remember Greg Seaman goes, hey, congrats, man. That's awesome. I'm like, hey, what are you congratulating him for? He's like, oh, that's Cam Block. He just sold DC shoes for like $140 no million. That's awesome. Yeah. Next week I was out sticking stickers on people's helmets <laughs> and uh, not watching the race. So that's when I decided, man, brands are the way to go. And it, and it looked like the guy was loving life and having fun. And I don't even think Ken Block knows. He was really the inspiration behind starting a brand that was- that bike sellers that turned into kingdom because bike sellers wasn't a cool name. So we had the crown called it kingdom and right. then kingdom ended up into transforming into allowing us to start a watch company called Rockwell. And it's almost identical to our diesel sellers business versus our diesel power gear business. Diesel sellers doesn't make a great t-shirt or an apparel line, but diesel power gear does. And the business is kind of like intermingle and you know, one helps the other. So kingdom clothing was like, man, that was it. That was it for us back in the day. Like, Fresh off our missions, single, ready to mingle, and uh, you got I'm home from mission sure, and got back. In I'm pretty sure everybody here at this table at some point was wearing Kingdom clothing. I still you know have I mean? Kingdom shirts. Hey, still have some. <laughs> hey, we got the band back together today because right, we went and played in a basketball tournament. The the uh, who was it? The who put it on? Was it Oakley? O Oakley put Oakley. on a basketball tournament. And Mark, I'm pretty sure we won the thing. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we, we were on. I think two hours of sleep. 
in yeah, like a 48, drove 72 hour to, period. Drove to San Diego. That wasn't in. the trip I got arrested on, right? That no, was later no. on. That yeah. was once Catalyst. I yeah. think the first watch company. Kingdom Clothing was one of the very first clothing companies that I know of that would go get high-end American apparel shirts and print them, right? Yeah. Because yeah. American apparel was always selling blanks. And I didn't know any other t-shirt company at that time that was going and buying high end. They were eight bucks a shirt. Exactly. Yeah, we were, yeah. we were, and we were selling them for thirty nine bucks. This was fifteen years ago. Yeah, but remember, it was all thanks to Marcus. Marcus had the. He said, "Look, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it high end and do it, do a great T shirt." So Marcus got home from his mission, got back in business with you. You said, "Hey, we you got know, bike sellers. Actually, we got this." I actually came home off my mission. I got a job working security at the mall. Yes, yeah, we called yeah. him Paul Blart. That's yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> but then I, I. I I didn't have enough money to get a car yet to go because I talked to Rich. I'm like, hey, man, when I get home, I want a job. I want to get back with motorcycles, yada, yada, yada. And I worked security until I got enough money, and then I got fired, and then I bought a car, and then I called Rich and said, hey, man, I want to do motorcycles again, you know? Yeah. And that's what led to Kingdom. Was through, Where did the Kingdom brand, the name come from? Oh, I remember this. It, I remember you, you telling we the story. We had the crown, right? The crown from, from bike, bike sellers. sellers. And then, yeah, what's the... And it had a little bit of a religious meaning, right? Yeah. Like kingdom kingdom was intended to be like something yeah, so, good. So if you want to know, my son's middle name is kingdom. Right. Wait, didn't Rider, you, didn't kingdom. you try to do life eternal? Who, who you tried did, to do? You told us something about your mission and you came across something and you wanted to like work it into a brand. I swear somebody it, tried to do like a life eternal brand or something like that. Oh, no, no, no. That was uh, Chris Epperson down in... Uh, Arizona and it was enemy to evil. Yes, yes enemy to yes, evil. That's, yeah, that's right. And I was on a, I was on that mission kick, and I came home, and you know, I wanted enemy to make an evil. impact by doing a brand that I felt like you know had a good represented good. Yep. You know, and that's where uh, on the it tag started. it said all things, all times, all places, which yeah. is a plate of scripture. And then kingdom, there's like in Matthew six thirty three, it's like first seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And there's, there's <laughs> many of that. So that's yeah. where the kingdom and came rich. From. I came to Rich and I said, yo, man, this guy, he's got this brand. It's really cool, you know, and uh, I want to be involved. And the guy drove his minibus up to Utah to meet with me, gave me some stickers, gave me some T-shirts. And Rich, Rich looked at me, he's like, Marcus, why would you do that? Why would you work for his business? Yeah. Let's start our own. Yep. And that's when we got the ball moving and that's where Kingdom started. Yeah, that's amazing. I forgot about that. That's like a, that's a key part of the story because that's Rich's whole mantra in life is, well, we could probably do that. Like, why don't we do it and figure it out on our own, on our own? Like take all the elements of good businesses that other people have run, like Ken Block putting stickers on helmets and make it your own business model and learn from what other people are doing, but apply some of your own techniques. And I think that's why obviously Kingdom grew into Catalyst watches, right? So they came to, they came, wanted us to do, we were, we were, we did marketing for other companies and we did it really well. And so they wanted us to do the marketing, but we kind of had a difference of, of where to take the, uh, where to go. They wanted to do more skater and more, uh, a less expensive watch and right. really have that. And, and, uh, the business plan that I was most intrigued with was doing nicer watches and some higher end. And so we decided, decided to split the, uh, the two companies and we would teach them marketing and they would teach us watchmaking. Right. And I wanted a, a company with kind of a two, two syllables, hard K sound. And one yeah. day my wife was saying something to my son. He was like four said, Hey Rockwell, come here. And it fit everything. So yeah. So bike sellers turned to kingdom kingdom turned into kingdom slash catalyst kingdom. 
turned into your parties because you used to throw these big hangar parties so at the Kingdom facility. We thought it would be a great idea to build a, retour, a retail store in Woods Cross, Utah. And then if any of you were actually sitting in Woods Cross, Utah, which I still consider this area to be somewhat home, you know? Yeah, and it's a little rural. Between your shop, Dave's shop is here in Woods Cross. Uh, Rich has an airplane hangar in Woods Cross. So we were talking, I was talking with Rich. And I'm like, yeah, man, we're doing all this stuff. We're coming up with all these different items besides just t-shirts. I was like, well, you have the hangar. It's not being used for anything. Let's build a store. So we built the store. I mean, Dave, heavy D over here. I mean, he had all the construction tools. So I, I went to Dave, yeah. said, oh man, I need some help. So there was a lot of late nights of uh, framing and sheetrocking and I think we bought out like the gap was closing or That's something right. <laughs> and uh, we bought a bunch of hangers and display items and tables and we built the store and we had a grand opening day where it went fairly well. You know, we, we told our friends that, you know, that we were having this grand opening and a lot of them showed up and supported, but after that it just flatlined dead because we're in the middle of Woods Cross, very like uh destination type location. At the time it was very rural, surrounded yeah. by farms. Now there's a lot of houses and stuff surrounding us, but there was no retail environment on no, Redwood Road nothing. at all. And from here until basically Maverick was the next retail spot. Yep. And that's like oh, five miles down the road. So it, you literally, you guys were in the middle of a field surrounded by nothing <laughs> and no one. So so that's when the party idea came in. I, I was, you know, single at the time and social and I've been going to these, you know, dances and like meeting people. And I'm like, yo, why don't we clear out the rest of the airplane hangar and let's throw a party, you know? And so what we did is we threw a party and you could either pay to get in the party, but that wasn't the idea. The idea was to sell shirts, to sell clothing, to sell our brand. And so you could either buy something from the store, get in for free, or you could pay the $10, which we made it impossible not to buy our gear because there were items that were $10. Right. And uh, I, I, I thought that they were, you know, 2,000 people back in the day. And I look back on the pictures and I'm like, there definitely wasn't 2,000, but they were, they were a good thing. You it, know? Felt, it felt like 10,000 people oh, back packed. in the day, for sure. It it, the, the parking lot was full. <laughs> was DJ Double there? Yeah, so I didn't I didn't DJ at the time, and I was like, "Yo, I met these guys at the club. They're um, twins, and they call themselves DJ oh, that's Double." Right. Shout out to DJ Double. Yeah, and oh. dude, they had. I look back on the stuff that we used for those parties. It was like one, you know, twelve inch subwoofer, some like car speakers that were wired together, and like a couple blinky lights <laughs> in the middle of winter with no heat, no heater, and we used right. like diesel, like you know, propane heaters to to heat up the shop that must have been twenty five degrees. But oh, yeah. people came out, man. But they here's what we out. learned from that: people wanted that. We didn't know there was a need for that, and then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, why did all those people come out? They weren't necessarily interested in the shirts; they wanted an environment to party in. They wanted those puka shell necklaces Marcus bought 9,000 of them <laughs> that I still have. You're welcome. I, I, I just opened They're up one of the pod comeback. containers and I'm like, what in the world? And there was like seriously 700 puka shell necklaces. I think I had some aqua colored ones, <laughs> yes. some pink colored ones. Yeah. Dude, that's the thing because up until that point, you didn't really see mass parties at a big location. It was always house parties. And you right. go to a house party and it was always like awkward. Someone's parents would come home or whatever would happen. It just didn't really work for a big, big party environment. No. So like, again, another thing that you guys kind of pioneered was the Utah group party scene in a, in a, like a, a commercial location. No where people permits. Could come. Yeah. No permits. No, nothing like oh. no that cops, thing blew no security, no. just buddies. That's still one of the best nights of my life. That was just fun. You like, know, actually there were several people that have attributed those kingdom, which we call the kingdom hangar parties to them finding their significant others and being married. Remember Mary, Jake, yeah. oh, big yeah, Jake, sure. big Jake met yep. his wife there. So here's the deal. 
What I've learned from that, the takeaway is when you got a tiger by the tail, you just run with it, right? Like if, you, if you're passionate about it, that business was very much a tiger by the tail because it was running faster than you guys even could. And it was evolving so quick. Take it and run with it because the second part of the story is where Rich is at now and where Marcus is at now. Yeah. That was basically a crossroads for them. They both, they both kind of decided like Marcus wanted to do events and Rich wanted to do more apparel and watches and merchandise. And so they did. They took their own path of where they're at now and you're obviously having tremendous success with the events and DJing different things and market and uh, you know, rich is having huge success selling watches to all over the world to different organizations. They build watches for colleges. They build watches for sports teams, companies, corporations, and they also build just personal badass watches that you can like wear and be proud of like a, like a high end timepiece. Right. And also I just want to give a big shout out to rich too, because my kids race motocross here in Utah and they really support the racing here through the RMX series. And, uh, the award ceremonies is straight Rockwell watches, sunglasses, t-shirts, beanies. My kids are totally like geared up from that. So I just want to say thanks for that, man. Cause, uh, the the scene here the motocross scene is something you probably could have abandoned and you haven't you stuck yeah, with it we, we love they're it. the ones and that helped it. us when we first started people said don't ever market with the motorcycle crowd but but that's what we loved and yeah. we did and so it's been great to be able to continue to work with them and yeah that's huge so uh guys basically if you're listening right now you're going to understand we're going to uh, touch on two topics today branding and marketing which is what rich is obviously really good at um and then family values, because that's another thing that Rich, uh, you know, quietly doesn't, doesn't talk about as much or doesn't do as much in a, in a high profile setting. Um, he's a great family man and he has given me some of the best advice in my life regarding to family life and how to have a happy wife and how to have happy kids and how to raise a family that knows right from wrong. So we're going to touch on first the marketing and branding and I'm going to hit Rich with some questions. I'm going to hit you with some questions that I just want you to like, Open, you know, answer as candidly as you possibly can. And uh, I know that you've got some really good information to share with these people. And guys, it's simple stuff. Like, don't overthink it. Don't overthink the the information that Rich is about to give you because it really is like, how much college do we have? Like, we've talked about this before. <laughs> Rich and is it, actually, I got 10 he's years. BYU. Right? He's a BYU oh, guy. But, but 10 years, my, my degree is in recreation management and youth leadership. So it took Dude, me 10 years to nice. get that degree. But party for party college. <laughs> I see where my mind. Yeah, yeah. College for you was more of a uh, opportunity to socialize. I wrestled in college. Right. I went to, and I enjoyed college. I, in fact, do you know if you want to be honest? My professor came to me, the the dean of my uh, college, and uh, it was RMYL. I promise you, I had a I had a class called Campfire Songs in my in my major. <laughs> so it was tough. That's amazing. Listen, I got I got in trouble at BYU once because I had a teacher that graded on a curve. Do you know what a curve is? That means sure. one A, one F, one B, one D, and then middle C. And I thought that was so wrong because that means if I study hard, one of my classmates is going to get an F. If I get an A, he's going to get an F. And I like these guys. I, I you know, I, I knew them. I, I studied with them. And but if I got an F, that means somebody got an A. I didn't like them that much. To you know, but I'm like, well, if I get a D, maybe someone's happy. Gets a B. And I just didn't agree with it. And I fought with this teacher. And I really didn't care for him that much, to be honest with you. So one of the one of the things that you had to do for that class was to. Uh, it was public speaking. You had to speak in front of the class, and and it was a persuasive speech. You had to persuade them of something. 
and you had to write something. So I decided to do mine in a poem. So I wrote this poem and I think this is a, like something that you can live by. And it said, what if this life was graded on a curve? What real meaningful purpose could it ever serve? For every one that succeeded, another one must fell. For each guy who went to heaven, some poor sucker would go to hell. <laughs> he, literally, he said, out. <laughs> Just that. He didn't say any other words. He said, out. No way. I walked Why out the you? door. I'd never I, heard that. I thought it was the greatest because honestly, that's, like, that's what life's all about. Yeah. I thought he would love it and say, oh, now he's my favorite student. Nope. He said, out. <laughs> went into the door. said, out. And I said, yeah, but isn't that what we're here for? Like... You know, if we, if like life were a curve, if, you know, it's about helping other people and man, I got out Dude, that's out amazing. at the door. So let me ask oh. you this. Here's a question. Does not going to college make it more difficult to become successful? No. So, you know, you know, at Rockwell, um, most of the guys that have degrees at Rockwell right now got them while they worked at Rockwell. I think college is great and I would never tell anybody not to go. But, but knowing me and knowing what you know about me, if I asked you, should I go to college? What would you say? I would say no. Right. I would say no, because you already had a skill set and you had a hustle and you had, you had street knowledge and, and you, and I told my guys this, it's, it's interesting. I had a meeting today long before you text me about coming on this and I got all my group together, you know, tank that was just here. We just, we just hired tank full time as our VPO, our, our vice president of operations and and did a, you know, he's a great guy, but they asked me some questions and, and I told my whole group, I said, look guys, here's what one thing you can learn. Turn your phone on silent. What what year iPhone is that? What year iPhone is that? iPhone 5. I will not switch. It broke last week. It broke last week and I about had a nervous breakdown because Apple won't. uh, Those were good phones. No, listen. Those were durable. This is the honest truth. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm totally changing stories. So my guys all told me, they said, look, you got to go get a new phone. It's embarrassing that you have an iPhone 5. And I said, listen, I, 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 it fits. I like it. it. It works. You know, I want my BlackBerry back. I actually called the owner of, no, I called the owner of BlackBerry a couple of months ago. And I'm like, hey, I'll mark it for free. I'll put BlackBerry on the side of my semi. Please bring it back. He's like, man, bro, that ships now. So, so anyway, they tell, to get me, to get, they tell no. me to get a new phone. So I go to the Apple store and I say, hey, I'm here to look at phones. And they say, okay. We have the, we still have some eights left and some 10X or 10BG, I don't know, whatever numbers they say. And, uh, and they laugh and say, we still have a couple of SEs left. And I said, oh, cool. That's what I want. He's like, no, no, serious. There are idiots who still buy that phone. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, no, I promise you that's what I want. And he's like, he laughs again. And he said, no, listen, I know you're kidding around and think it's funny. There are still people out there who buy the SE. There are people dumb enough to buy that phone. I'm like, look, buddy, that's the phone I want. He's like, are you serious? I said, yes. This, I will, I will swear on the Bible this is the truth. He said, okay, hang on a minute. I, I can't even help you. He goes in the back, and a guy comes out with a seeing eye dog. And that's who sold me my phone. And I promise, I, I would not make this up. Go to the City Creek Center, and there's a guy there. And he was the coolest guy. And I was like, I'm so glad that he helped me and not that idiot at, at first. Because it was cool. I got to talk to this guy. But I like, you know, everything had to be done by touch. It took me two hours to buy my phone. But that's the true story. And so I came to work the next day, and everyone's like, when are you getting a new phone? I'm like, are you kidding me? I just got a new phone. <laughs> And they meant get like a new upgraded phone, not just go buy a new right. phone. So it cost me 450 bucks just to get a new phone. So 
That's my story a there. New a new phone. outdated phone. Amazing. So, I didn't mean to take wait, you off. No, I didn't mean to take you off phone. track so, there. I'm with I, I my guys. That's older than that. That's the S. That's the five S. That's right? the SE. No, oh, it's the SE. I this know what is the SE is. Like, and, and the other day, feels like twenty years. You know ago. Taylor Chapman. Yeah. Like I, I put like two guys, two old. of the greatest guys I know in the entire world, Dave Kylie and Taylor Chapman. Yep. Like yeah. on, honest, there's no, there's not a better guy in the world. Well, the other day, my daughter broke her iPhone ten or eight or whatever it is. I got online and I looked. I had two of them because she's broken so many. One she broke in the front of the thing and one in the back. And I'm like, I watched a video and it said, you can take the screen off one and put it on the other. So I sit down, I pull out my super cool SE and I pull <laughs> both of hers out and I put on Taylor Chapman's, he's got these watch, uh, these watch goggles and all these like watchmaker tools. And I'm going to do this. So I start watching the video and I'm taking apart her one phone that has the good screen to save this screen. And I'm taking it apart and I'm almost done. I've got through the video and then I start taking apart the other and it's, I'm like, I can break this one cause it's already broken. And Chris Sharp walks in and goes, Hey, why are you taking apart your phone? I'm like, Oh no, this is my daughter's. He's like, no, no, your daughter's is right there. I took apart my own phone <laughs> and broke the screen. I go to Apple. They won't even fix it. They said, no, no, that, we won't even fix the <laughs> SE. I had to go find a guy and pay him like 300 bucks to fix the screen on my SE just so it would work again. That's so, amazing. That's but, hilarious. Okay. So back to, I'm telling my guys, and this is what I told them. The, the, I said, look, if you guys listened half as much as Dave Sparks did, we'd all be multi-billionaires in this in this uh, in this company, I'm like, if you took what a the big information, on your back. no, right. it's a true story. If you took what people, if you took the lessons you learned and 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 you um, you put them into practice, and you 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 actually made them better, and that's what that's what I told him, and and I think I told uh, both of you guys this when I came in here. A lot of people say, oh, I taught that guy everything he knows. I think that's arrogant, but if you say. I taught that guy everything I know, and then he added to it. And that's like both of you guys. I gave you everything right. I knew how to do, all of the different marketing techniques. And, and so you knew everything I knew, and then you both took it and added to it and made it better and, and took advantage of it and, and used it. There's so many people out there that can go to college for four years or in my case, 10 years and get a four-year degree, but they, they don't learn that ever. They, they can memorize what's in a book. They can do something. And so they get zero value or zero use out of college where you guys yeah. both knew, Hey, take the lessons you're learning, put them into practice, apply them to your life and, and get better. So I think the most formal education I've ever had was working for you for two years. I really, I mean, other than high school, I mean, I did like a stint in college. We talked about that last week. None of us are college graduates except for you. Um, and the rest of us have a combined total of maybe five credits. So there's not a lot of uh, formal education sitting here at the table. But working for you, you gave us the tools and resources to be able to go out and figure out how to make money with your company. So we came in and paid our dues a little. Sometimes we would work, you know, we'd be over the road for however long pushing the Supercross team. But at the same time, Driving the semi without driving a license. Driving the semi without a license. <laughs> I mean, I literally, I'm driving that thing up through the grapevine in California, and I didn't know about brake fade or anything at the time. And I'm trying to like float gears and shift, and Dave's sleeping in the sleeper, and we're just going for it. Like we didn't know, but we knew that we wanted to go to the event, that Supercross event that we were, we were going from, I believe, uh, LA to Oakland or San Francisco. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
And so that was my first big long haul in the semi trying to figure it out. But that was, that's what I'm talking about. Like paying our dues, we went in and, and worked those long hours. But at the same time, you give everybody that works for you the opportunity to be successful. It's just a matter of whether or not they use your tools. One thing that stuck out to me and I can still remember was, you know, the first job I had from you when I came home from my mission was selling motorcycle helmets. Oh, that's... 50 bucks a pop. We had 10,000 helmets in the warehouse. A million bucks in helmets in one year. Yeah. I mean, it, that was good. But then you came to me and you had like, I don't know, five or six motorcycles in the shop. And you're like, Marcus, I will pay you 10% of whatever you sell. And I remember selling a motorcycle and you walking up to me and giving me a check for like 300 bucks. And that's when it clicked. You know what I mean? That's yeah. when I was like, oh my gosh. You know, for me at that time, that was a lot of money. But I was like, you know, the harder I worked at something, the more money I could make. It wasn't like, you know, an hourly thing where it's like, oh, I'm making 10 bucks an hour. Like at the time, which I would have probably been super happy with. But I was like, dude, I just sold one motorcycle and made 300 bucks. And that was like a, a game changer for me. Since then, I've never had a job where it's paid me hourly. It's always been something where the harder I worked, the more money I could make. And and every time people ask me, they're like, hey man, did you go to college? I said, no, but I got a great education. And I always go back to working for you. Was a, a lot of the things that I learned there have like carried on. And I think that's what kind of has given me like my hustle mentality, you know? But that that specifically was that one time was that motorcycle and you handing me a check for 300 bucks kind of changed the game for me. First you know? time in my life I ever made more than 20 or 30 grand a year was the year that I sold some big marketing contracts for Rich. And I think he paid me like 50 or 60 grand a commission because he told me the same thing. He said, I'll give you a 10 or 15, 20% of the deal. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, what I'm going to sell, but I'm going to go sell something. And we landed huge marketing contracts and good relationships with companies to this day. But I, this was like 2010 and I knew nothing about selling marketing or advertising. But you knew how to talk to people. You went after it. <laughs> went and opened like some we doors. went and closed the, the yep. deal, but you opened the door. Yeah. And I mean, that was so valuable. And I always worried. I think I probably told both of you guys. I always felt guilty. Cause, and, I, and I know I told you, Marcus, you and I believe I told me. you. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I, I will ruin you. This will be the worst, because you will never be able to have another job the rest of your life. Yep. You, you, will, yep. you will either succeed or you're going to be calling the overpass Casa Dear Casa because yeah. there is no, and, and I remember feeling kind of guilty and saying, hey, listen, just know that if you do this and if you're, you work with me, you're going to get ruined because you'll be a horrible employee from here on out and you will never work for anyone. And We've obviously I, I feel good because it, yeah, it it's, worked it's out worked. well. I do have one confession. I got to go back to my college degree. <laughs> so <laughs> I do have a degree, but... My professor came to, I, I, it really did take me 10 years. I, I wrestled and I coached. They to get a four-year degree? To get a four-year degree. But they came <laughs> to me. And so, so everyone always says, do you have a degree? And I'm like, yes, I have the diploma. I have the degree. But I really didn't earn it because I had so many credit hours. They said, you have enough to get a doctorate and you have no degree. And so my, uh, the, the dean of the, the college came to me and said, I'm going to make you a deal. You still have another year left. You, have an, you need to graduate. And he said, the classes aren't that hard, but I'll make you a deal. If you'll accept a C, I will just pass off these classes. I will just give you credit for these classes. You can clep out of them. Just accept a C for these 12 classes or eight classes and you can graduate with your little brother in the spring. <laughs> and I said, are you kidding me? And I said, I don't have to take him. He's like, I know you know all the material because you've been here for so long. He said, you can just clip. I'm like, I, and I can really graduate. I'll get a diploma. I don't have to take the classes. I saved the money. He said, yeah, you can do that. 
I said, done, deal. And he goes, I'm a little disappointed though, because after all this time, you haven't learned how to negotiate. I probably would have given you a B. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, listen, pal, you've been a professor and you don't know how to go negotiate because I'd have taken a D. <laughs> so, so I'm like, by the time I met my wife, D equal degree. I didn't care anymore about the grade because I knew the same thing. I loved what I learned, but I knew that what I learned in college wasn't going to make or break me. It wasn't going to be the thing. Life that, experience uh, and hands-on doing your own thing is what really taught you what you yeah. know today, which is, I mean, for those listening, Rich is a marketing and branding genius, and I don't think you even know it, or maybe you didn't know it at the time. I think you know now that you like anything you start is probably going to be successful and look good. But the question I have for you is, what is a brand to you? So I think a brand is the extension of the people who work with you. And it goes back to both of you guys working with me and Marcus starting Kingdom and you being there with Rockwell. So when we started Rockwell, I just remember thinking, how can we be authentic? And, and you probably remember, Dave, I went around to everybody that worked there and said, what are you passionate about? What do you love? Because, you know, Johnny Ritchie loved MMA. He loved the fights. You looked at Taylor Chapman. Which is now a big part of your big company. Big part of our, our And our it business. wasn't before that. No. I, I mean, and you dabbled bit, in it. Yeah. But it not was, like it is yeah, now. Yeah, but not like it is now. Now every name out there has your watch. Taylor Chapman, he raced motorcycle. He was yeah. a pro motorcycle. Race. Loved it. So, we got into moto. Uh, Bryce Brown was a pro wakeboarder. Tim Golan and Max Henry loved to ski. Carlos Nuno was a he was a uh, an NFL player. You yeah. know everything that even the Stewarts they loved bicycling. Right. You know we we do a, a race from Moab to St George. It's five hundred miles. I couldn't pedal a bicycle five hundred miles if it had a jet engine on the back. Yeah. but they loved it, and so it, it was authentic. And so to me, a brand is an extension of the people in the brand. Look at your brand; it's it's who you are and right. who Dave is. It's that's so to me, a brand to be authentic has to be an extension of the people that are involved with the brand. And like, you know, with Rocco, we've always had the best guys. Like I love my guys like family and that's- You actually just answered question two and three that followed my first question, which question two was, what are the critical elements to start a brand? Which getting people yeah. excited about it and having them have some skin in the game. And question three was, how do you sell your dream to others? Which again, you just answered because you took the passion of other people and you got them on board, not by telling them I'm rich and I love motorcycles, you should come promote my cause. You said, do you want to come be part of this? What do you like? How can we promote and get you involved in things that you like to do? The reason why you got me was because you let me come in and start dealing with, uh, I think we did a deal with some, some truck dealers and I got oh, the yeah. Sisu Nasu, the tank from that dealer over in uh, Colorado. I didn't necessarily care about the other stuff that the other guys were involved with, but no, you, I'll tell you what it was. It was wakeboarding. It was the boat. Yeah. You came in and said, Dave. You were interested in girls. Yeah, I was interested in girls and wakeboarding and boating. And you said, dude, come in, sponsor or work with Rockwell, sell some advertising and go get a boat. If you want a boat, go, go talk to a boat company. They'll give you a boat. And I was like, are you sure? Is, like, is that how it works? Next thing you know, three months later, we are the first company slash person in the entire country to get the newest model of the Axis wakeboard boat. And I went to the factory in Sacramento, California, picked it up and drove it home. This was like from start to finish, maybe two months. And I didn't know anything about branding, marketing, or selling advertising. I just went out and you give us the tools and resources. So I think that's how you sell people on your dream of building a brand, which is helping them achieve what they want, right? Oh yeah. yeah. You know, it goes back to, you have to, yeah. Like this is going to sound horrible, but you have to find dumb people. <laughs> like, like, like that sounds horrible. But if I, if I ever tell anybody anything, I tell them, I remember 
So when I wrestled at BYU, I was mediocre at best. I, I was great in high school, got into college and everybody was good. Guy showed up named Mark Schultz, who is, the, who is the toughest human being to ever walk the face of the earth. I put him against Goliath. That guy is a beast. And he ended up showing up one day and ended up being our coach. And I remember Mark was, was really, if you've seen the movie Foxcatcher, <laughs> that's the story of his life. And when John DuPont shot and killed his brother, I mean, Mark, he fought in the UFC. He, he was a complete beast. And I remember him telling me once that uh, uh, he, he would call us in for our, our scholarship interviews. And he would always say, Rich, you really don't deserve this, but I really like you, so I'm going to give you a scholarship. <laughs> and, and, and it started to turn out that Mark started to say he would tell us where we were going to wrestle. And, the, and I always would go against the other team's best guy. And I thought, and everyone on the team would tease me. They're like, dude, he hates you because you're going against guys. Like we wrestled Chuck Liddell. You know, we wrestled Cal Poly where Chuck Liddell wrestled. Every time there was a tough guy, he would put me against him. And it would be like, uh, is he just putting me out to get me killed? Is he, you know, what is it? And he would just, so one, one week I'd be 167, then 177, then 190, then heavyweight. So I would wrestle guys that were 167. And then the next week, a guy 275 pounds. It gets down to, we go to the, to the Sooner Open. I'm 177. I'm the last guy to make weight. We're, we're heading to the Virginia duels and he puts me at 167 because I was at heavyweight, then 177. Then he wants me to go 167. I end up trying to lose another. I was walking 197, losing 30 pounds in three days. I get to Virginia. I'm, I'm running. I pass out in the middle of the road. A uh, football player there actually picks me up, takes me into the hotel and said, anyone know this guy? And they're like, oh yeah, he's our teammate. Put him in the sauna. I'm unconscious. And they <laughs> drop me in the sauna so I can keep sweating. I, I end up not, uh, I go in the last time I'm down to 169. I have two more pounds to go. I go again. My body won't sweat. Um, pass out in the middle of the pond. I broke through the ice cause I just, my blood was like molasses. The doctor finds me, they disqualify me. I can't wrestle. And I think Mark's going to kill me, you know, cause I, I, I didn't do it. He ends up getting up. He gets a team together and he goes, let me tell you guys something about rich. I'm like, he's kicking me off the team, sending me home. He's like, Rich is my favorite guy on the team. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm like looking at all the other guys going, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm his favorite. I'm like giving him the look of just complete teacher's pet. And he goes, let me tell you why. And he goes, Rich, pound for pound is the weakest guy on the team. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, hey, wait, this way from I'm your favorite to the weakest guy on the team. I'm like, Mark, I'm, I can't be the weakest, you know? And he goes, and you know what? Wrestling wise, technique wise, he is the worst guy on the team. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now it's going back to now I see why he puts me against all the good guys. He doesn't like me, but he just said I was his favorite. And he goes, yeah, technique, worst guy on the team. And I'm thinking, come on, Mark, I know a couple of guys that I, I got to be better than, you know? <laughs> and he's like, so he clarifies and says, of all you guys out here, the varsity guys, I'm like, okay, I, I can live with that. I probably am the worst. And he goes, you know, when it comes to like just, your cardio and yeah, probably the worst one on the team. And he, he keeps mentioning I'm the worst at this. He goes, take down defense, worst on the team as amount, amount of like moves. He knows worst on the team. I'm like, Oh gosh. Okay. That's it. That's good. I'm good now. I've just passed out for you, you know? And then he goes, but why I love him is he's the dumbest guy on the team. I'm like, now, come on, man. We got a couple of heavyweights. We got a couple other guys. They're not smart. And he goes, and he said, He's so dumb. He's like, you guys probably wonder why I ask him to wrestle all the best guys. 
He's like, I remember we were going against uh, Wyoming. We hadn't beat Wyoming in forever. Their heavyweight was a returning WAC champion. And he goes, hey, I'm going to have you wrestle heavyweight. You think you can beat that guy? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, and he tells the team, he's like, when he told me that, I'm like, is there something wrong with him? He's like, he doesn't have a chance. He's like, that guy's going to murder him. And I'm like, well, God, thanks for the confidence. <laughs> but he goes, I looked at him and I'm like, that guy's so dumb. He believes he can beat him. And he's like, there was nothing. There was no reason. This guy hasn't lost a match. And Rich barely beats guys in our own room. And he's like, and he believed, he was dumb enough to believe he could beat him. <laughs> and, and it just so happened, I went out there and we were, it was down to the last match and, and uh, they were up on us by five points. So all the guy had to do was not get pinned. He was beating me 13 to two. And I ended up pinning him in the third round and won. And, and the guy punched me and Mark came out and saved me. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, all right, you did it. And I'm like, well, I, like I told you, I, I could beat him. You know, I just knew like, if I hung around to the third round. And he goes, and so that's why I love Rich. He's the dumbest guy on the team. He's just dumb enough to, I mean, look at you guys. Marcus, you started a, a, a company that does the biggest part. I've seen you all over the he's country. He's saying I'm pretty I'm, dumb. You're pretty dumb. He yeah. <laughs> calls all of us dumb. <laughs> that's okay. that's yeah. that part. I know every, every one of you. You know, like Dave, I, like I was telling my guys today, I'm like, Dave has built this empire. He's got, he, you know, you give guys to buy the dream. Yeah. You got Dave Kyle. How dumb is Dave Kyle to trust you? <laughs> I'm the dumbest. Oh, Scare of him. No, but I'm, I tell people this all the time. I'm 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 successful because I'm too dumb to understand risk. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't even think about smart it. guys would never do. No, what we do Kenny. Like I I talk to Dave's <laughs> brother in law that comes into our gym, the the Rockwell CrossFit gym all the time. That Roger and, and uh, uh, Kenny. Kenny Kenny the other Kenny Kenny Kenny, and he's That's telling. Good. And I look and I'm like, I played basketball in a tournament with two guys. We probably slept in our car, drove down there. If you'd have asked me if any of us were going to be successful in life, what was this, 15 years ago? Yeah, like, it was about, like, it's probably 10, Not 12. a chance. Not a chance. You have like one of the biggest real estate companies in the country and you do the greatest things. And Marcus has this amazing events company, not just a DJ, but an events company. Dave and Dave make more money in a day than most guys make in a lifetime. <laughs> And, yeah. and I think we're just a bunch of dumb guys. You got to be dumb enough. Smart guys would never take the chance. Like, I love what you said about risk and, and yeah. be adverse to... Look, you would never take the chances you do. One, you fl you landed on our football field we put in the back, which talk about dumb, putting in a football field in the back of our compound. <laughs> Dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Landing a helicopter on the back of... And then Dave flies a helicopter. Like, I'm not dumb enough to get in the helicopter yet. <laughs> but like, who thinks they can just go... For how long did you leave that helicopter in my driveway for? You bought oh, a yeah. you bought a helicopter that looked like it was put together with yeah, Legos. It was. It was back in 2010. I dude, I had that helicopter yeah. for six months. Yeah, before. all my neighbors are like, "Why do you got a helicopter in your driveway?" I'm like, yeah. oh, "I'm probably gonna learn to fly one day." <laughs> I don't know. And Dave was living down the street, but like, think about how dumb you have to be to be successful. And that's why I think I love college. And I would tell my kids are gonna go to college. I hope they go to college. But if they don't, that's okay because. College makes you smart, and and really smart people, and man, they won't take the risk. They won't. Yep. Why would you take the risk? Why would you do the you things you do? Overanalyze, you overthink. And so, if you're a smart person and you're listening, we're not telling you to be dumb. We're just telling you to stop. That you have no hope. Things. Yeah, yeah, you have no <laughs> hope. You're <laughs> never going to be smart. Successful. People quit listening right now. Yeah, exactly. Because if you put it on paper, yep. That's they always talk about why they play the game. Because on paper, this team should win or this team should win. Look, if you look at that, smart people are going to do that. 
you got to be dumb enough to believe you're going to be successful. Yep. And I think that I'm super blessed. I'm really dumb. And like to chance, think about when, when we were at Honda Centerville together, do we ever think we would? Did you remember when I lit the back of my trunk on fire in front of there, lighting off the firecrackers? Because <laughs> it was too windy. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. too windy to light the firecrackers, so I did it in my trunk, and then yeah. all of a sudden the yeah. whole yeah. back yeah. Yeah. of yeah. my car was Nissan exploding yeah. because of all the firecrackers were going How off. How many fires have we done? Do you, were were you guys lot. there when uh, we were driving in the field? Oh, yeah. And caught the whole field yes. on fire. <laughs> I've done that most of the yeah. hot yeah. exhaust, right? Yeah, the yeah. hot exhaust. Yeah. yeah, I mean. That's the thing. Like, you're smart. Like, <laughs> you're smart because you're <laughs> dumb. You're smart to realize that, uh, to pick up on the fact that it's okay to sometimes just cover your eyes and go for it, right? Yeah. Like, you got to be dumb enough to believe. Forrest Gump. Like, like you know, that guy. I, I think you've got to, if you put it on paper, why would you ever do business? I mean, why would you ever take a chance? Right. Because how many of them fell? Right. Like, like, why would you put yourself through that? And then, and then friendship wise and, and tough breakups. I mean, even, even Marcus and I had a little breakup for a while. I wasn't that worried about it because I always knew we'd be friends, but it took, it was a tough thing for him to succeed at his business. He couldn't have stayed under my way. Same with you, Dave. There's no way to, to do that. So you have to be able to, to know that one relationships are the most important. You have to be dumb enough to believe that people care and you're going to have that long-term relationship. And you have to be dumb enough to take the chances that smart people won't take. Smart people just won't take the risk. Do you believe in burning bridges? No, I don't think you do. From what I've, from what I've seen of you, when you have bad experiences with people, you don't, burn that bridge where it's in the past. I've had a tendency to want to do that, but I think one of the best things you ever taught me was, um, what is it? It's apathy is your best weapon. Not caring is the best thing you can do because it's, it's worse than hating somebody. Yeah. Because if you're hating them, you're you're giving them energy. Like you're giving them something. If you're apathetic towards something, then it's literally, it doesn't exist to you. And that's helped me a bunch get through some bad experiences in my life. When people have tried to take advantage of me or whatever bad circumstances I've gotten into, I've just learned that it's okay. Like it is perfectly okay to pretend like that person or that circumstance just doesn't exist. 100%. People think love and hate are opposites. Not even close. They're so close to the same thing. Love and hate. Who could you hate more than the person you love the most if they did something to you? Apathy or not caring, just completely ignoring. Ignoring someone is the opposite of love. Yeah. Like hating them is so close. I'm sure everyone at this table has been in a position where they've hated someone else here or, or thought they did when really they just loved him so much, that, but they felt like they had been wronged or done something. And, and I think that like with my guys at Rockwell, man, they're my family. I love every one of them. Everyone that's ever worked for me. I, I think it's great, but there are times when I, I hate them because it's so close right. to, it's so close to you. If you think someone's taken advantage of you, mm-hmm. you can go to love to hate quick, but, but going from love to apathy, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And it's, but it, it's but a it, powerful. Sometimes one. it saves you. Sometimes it does. It's just because you only have, I always tell people this, like I look at my day, my average day of work or whatever it is. Like I look at my phone battery. You start the day with a hundred percent, right? If you're sleeping, eating right, doing your things, you got a hundred percent when you wake up, as you go throughout the day, you're starting to use that battery. Uh, With an SE, it's about nine o'clock <laughs> in the morning. It's at zero. You're you're you notice it's plugged in over here. It is. That is funny. I didn't notice that. You you get to the point where my phone tells me that I use Instagram a lot, and that 
consumes a lot of battery. I take a lot of pictures that consumes a lot of data. So you start to look at your life and realize what is consuming my energy? What is consuming the battery? And is it running it down? Like there's days when at two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm ready to go home. I'm just done because I'm just wore out. Something took all my energy. So energy is limited, right? How do you manage your energy? And I think this is going to lead into the next question I have for you, which is how do you manage your time availability and, and your daily, you know, how much you have to give or how much to care about? Uh, and then how does that affect you in your personal life and your business life? You know, I, I think it goes to, we're all pretty blessed here with, with what we do. I don't have a ton of hobbies outside of work because I, my work is my hobby. Like, you know, I don't need to leave and go hunting or do something. You know, we do that as part of work sometimes. You built a brand that can be so, your lifestyle. Yes. And so I'm really, really blessed that that my favorite thing to do in the world is hang out with my family. Like I just love my family. I love to be with them. I love to do that's kind of my recharge. That's plugging back in my battery. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I get to go with my best friends. So so Couple of my best friends in the world, you know, your are Carlos and Tim. You guys know those guys. We travel. Carlos over. and Tim are guys that work for Rich. Yeah. Um, with Rich, they're yeah, we're partners. partners. John, yeah. Johnny Taylor, Carlos and Tim that have been around forever. We all went on this trip to Europe to our sunglass factories to Italy, um, and Max Henry came with it. I'm telling you, that was some of the best times of my life with guy with hanging out. We're in Italy, not knowing what we're doing, trying to find one of our factories that makes our our uh, metal sunglasses is up in above Venice, up in the ski resort. We got so lost, and Taylor was trying to film. We were trying to film for it, and I didn't realize he was unbuckled. And I tried to uh, scoop my seat up, and at the same time, the car in front of me stopped. So I had the the latch to scoop my seat up. And the car stopped. So I slam on my brakes, not knowing that would send Taylor <laughs> crashing into my seat, which would then I had to latch up, which would send me <laughs> crashing into the dashboard. And then it would cause me to hit the accelerator <laughs> while he's filming. And we almost killed a bunch of people in Italy. And, you know, but we would stop and eat at places. And I, I mean, so I'm really lucky that my, my work, I work with the best guys. There. I work with the guys I love and, the, and they're great. Like now with Tank working with us right. and Casey Patterson, the Olympian, we just hired him. And man, that's great. And to be able to hang out, you know, like Dave comes over, like Taylor loves Dave Kylie, you know, and, and Everybody Dave, loves Dave's Dave not Kiley. quite as, Dave Kylie's not quite as busy as Dave Sparks. So he gives us a little more love over there. Yep. He'll show up and come to the gym and stuff. So like, like he's a different, Dave's actually a different kind of busy. That is busy for Dave. Yep. He's networking and keeping relationships and making friends with companies like you and with other people and our giveaway winners, all these different people that are involved with our company. Dave, one of his main roles and responsibilities is maintaining those relationships because I'm not good at that. I want to go, 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 go. And I just don't, I don't, don't function like that. So that's funny that you mentioned that because like, you know, sometimes people wonder like, what does Dave do if he's not involved with payroll and, and this and that and all these like technical aspects of the business? Well, he fills a void that none of us, nobody else could do, which is, all the stuff that nobody really wants to do. You know what I mean? Like go hang out with people that maybe he... Are you saying <laughs> hanging out with us is something nobody hanging wants to do? Hanging out with you guys is, is <laughs> so, fun, but I, I will so tell you I'm this. I'm pretty sure I took Ma that. Managing the giveaway winners is exhausting. Dave is dumb enough to hang out with Dave, you guys. Exactly. That's I was right. too that's dumb to do any of the smart stuff. <laughs> that's why you guys work well so well together. I mean, it is, it is pretty interesting when you realize that uh, it's a big job doing what things that, you know, being a liaison like he is. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Because, because you always have to be on, 
Right. If he comes over and he's in a bad mood and is rude to people, mm-hmm. which that, he isn't, that he just doesn't know how. Never. Like, I don't know that he's he ever has He's too dumb been. to get mad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Way, way <laughs> too dumb. Yeah. But, but I think that's it. The recharge comes from, my favorite thing is to hang out with my family. You yes. know, we just did a little trip last week where we, we flew to the Dallas uh, Saints game and I got to meet my heroes and my son loves Dallas. And then we jumped on a plane and met my family. I took my mom and my my the rest of my kids to New York and, you know, saw some some different uh, New York Christmas stuff. Right. And like, you know, we love Disney World. We have passes. We have annual passes to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Hong Kong, Disney yeah. Paris, because yeah, it's a place. And and I don't actually love Disney that much. I love standing in line with my kids and going on the rides because it's it's a 30 or 40 minutes where they're captive and I get to hang out with right. them. And I, gotta I ask think you this. that's so fun. Have, have you ever snuck into Disneyland? Um, I'm and did you the fifth? Have you snuck in with any of the people at the table? <laughs> Have you ever snuck thirty people into Disneyland? <laughs> Are we about to give a step by step tutorial on how to sneak that into Disneyland? That would be a Disneyland? podcast in and of itself. Oh man, that was before they had fingerprint stuff. Yes. So no, I did not sneak in. Did I help oh, thirty you people? Know, I encouraged. You used to do it with the uh, with the passes. Yeah. I think you snuck me in a couple times. Rich, as well. I got to tell you this: he, Rich is the greatest like magician of all time when it comes to getting into somewhere where he's not supposed to be. Okay, so you let, tell the... How many times were, have I been to the Supercross <laughs> pits with like somebody else's pass? Okay, you know? I've never had a pass with my name on it <laughs> yeah. working with Rockwell. There was never a Dave Sparks credential. Okay, listen. We had to... We would go to events and there were a lot of people who like just love to drink. And so for those of us who didn't drink, we had to get new pastimes. I mean, you were with us in uh, Phoenix, weren't you? When we, we went to the basketball game, there, there were eight of us. And I were you there with uh, with Jed Mingo? I don't think so. Okay, so we get to Phoenix. There were half the group who just would go get wasted, and the half said didn't. So we had to find something fun to do. So Supercross is generally in a stadium, and in Phoenix, the basketball and the baseball stadium next door, there was a basketball game. So we, we called it like MacGyver, and we said, okay, let's see who can get into the game and who can get to the most places in the game and take a picture of where you are. And so, you know, we have Carlos, who's six. What is Carlos? Oh, he's six, 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 at least. Yeah, six, seven. yeah. You know, looks a lot like The Rock. Ben looks like Barry Bonds, but bigger. And you got, you know, Bryce Brown, Jed Mingo, Tim, all of them. And so, like, we start sneaking it. We just, we had a bunch of uh, wristbands and passes. And so we just go to doors and try to get in. Within 30 minutes, all eight of us are in. Three of us are in the son's locker room. We're taking pictures in their <laughs> basketball locker room. Then we get up to somehow the Verve Club there. And then we said, okay, listen, who, who can stay in a suite the longest? Who can just walk in a suite and stay in there the longest? So we started walking in suites and just sitting down talking to people and eating their food. Because no, what you realize is most people don't know. You know, right. Most suites are not 15 <laughs> people that know each other. Right. Yeah. And so we, we spent the whole day and... Like just getting to places and getting on fields. We've been on the field, but it's it's how we get away where we don't drink to have a little bit Do of. Do you remember fun. when the Dew Tour used to come to Salt Lake? Oh yeah, I yeah. didn't have a pass that whole time, but somehow I ended up on the half pipe. Oh, that's right, for the You're Burt right. Finals yeah. Yeah. on BMX, yeah. and everybody's looking at me like, "What am I supposed to do?" But all the I learned that same thing from you was just like act like you're supposed oh, to. Oh, dude, there. I've taken that strategy obviously being high profile, now we get access to a lot of cool things, but there are still things that we don't necessarily like, they don't give you passes to do certain things sometimes. So uh, just yesterday or the day before we were in LA for the recording of uh, Ellen show and the voice. 
And we had passes, but they weren't passes to go out and be part of the audience. They were just passes to be backstage, green room, hanging out, all the stuff that all the audience members wanted to be doing. I wanted to be out on the stage, like watching and doing cool stuff. So just took everything I learned from you and just basically walked past the guys that were, you know, the security guards and, and they were like, Hey, where are you going? And I, was like, and I just kind of mumbled like something important and got past them, got to the next step, knocked to the next step. Next thing you know, my wife and I are like sitting next to, um, what's the dude's name? Um, Maroon five, the guy that's the judge on the voice, Adam? Adam Levine. We're literally three feet away from Adam Levine, like slapping high five, cheering, like just not supposed to be there, but if you're confident enough, I think where I'm going with this is if you're confident enough in whatever it is you're doing, you can do it. Like yeah. if you have that look on your face, like I'm supposed to be here and this is, may or may not be good advice we're giving people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm not a criminal. First no, of all. <laughs> no, and I, this is, this is basically just, it kind of goes back to the like, cross. be dumb enough to think that you can do whatever it is yeah, that yeah. you want to do. Yeah. And if you're confident in the fact that I'm going to make it, I'm going to do it. You're probably going to make it. And you're probably going to do big things, uh, and so that's probably one of the biggest lessons that you've taught all and of us. And being kind to those guys, right? Right, like, exactly. Like treating the security guards like those are our best friends at everything we go to. The yep. security, they, they they end up, and if you're kind to them, man, they're not going to hassle you most of the time, right? Yep. Uh, and, that's, and, that's and the a, ones that are going to hassle you, go to the next door. There's no use trying when you know it's over. You know. Let's call this a little life hack. Then I think that's the best way to look <laughs> at that. Is it's not legal. It's not illegal. It's just. Like if I would want, never sneak into a movie theater and get a free movie, you no, know, like that, no, no. that's you're, criminal. You're, you're sneaking We're, into experiences that you couldn't buy otherwise. And, and most of the times, in fact, every time I go tell them, I say, I go tell people, I'm like, Hey, I was just down in your locker room. Nobody's watching. And then you, you usually become best friends with yeah. the event promoter. And then they like, let you go. Yeah. That's how I got to the Cowboys game. Exactly. I, I met a guy from the event there and, and he gave us the experience of our life. It was the coolest thing in the world, taking my son and getting to sit in the hall of fame suite and with a bunch of my heroes from the game. And it was just cause being cool to a guy that I met at the SHOT Show. So break this down for me. Obviously, you know the format of our podcast is to give people like um, tasks and homework that they can do uh, today, tomorrow, next week to be able to improve themselves in certain areas of their life, okay? So right now we're talking about branding, marketing, advertising, sales kind of. What kind of takeaway can we have and what kind of tasks can we give somebody who's listening that they can start working on tomorrow to get better in this category? Now, this is tricky because not everybody is in marketing, advertising, yeah. and sales, but for the guy listening who wants to start his t-shirt brand or wants to start his whatever it is, what can these guys start doing that they might not already be doing? You know, I, I would say find what it is and be dumb enough to do it. So, so figure out what it, are, are you, um, you know, and I think you've told my running of the bull story before, and that's probably one for another time, mm -hmm. but, but actually doing something instead of just saying you're going to do it. Take and then yeah, once you do it, be dumb enough to believe that it can happen. Be dumb enough to believe that the actions you're taking are going to lead to the results you want. Because most of the time, people really don't believe it. They'll do it. They'll, they'll, they'll pretend or they'll walk through it. But know that, hey, man, paper, the paper on paper, I shouldn't be able to do this. But I'm going to believe it's going to work because I'm just that. Look, one out of a thousand. How many, how many, t how many uh, pilots get on TV? Oh, like, yeah, like 1%. Yeah, not yeah. May, even if it's maybe one out of a thousand, maybe yeah. you know, you guys did it. Were you? I remember the first time you told me, "Ah, we're going to be on you know Discovery Channel." And I remember Dave. I remember uh, Greg 
Godfrey was working. I'm like, oh man, I know. And I told you Ray, in full confidence yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, there's not there. That, that's a big belief. But yep. you were so believing it. I remember telling somebody, I'm like, they're gonna get a TV show because you just believe. Like he literally will get it. It'll get done. Yep. But I think that's the thing is, what do you want to do? So maybe it set the goal and be dumb enough to go after. So if it. you're sitting on the fence or if you're sitting on the edge of that cliff, getting ready to jump in, do it. Stop do thinking. It. Stop yeah. counting down. Stop yeah. wondering what could yeah. happen. Just do make it. it happen. Let me ask you a question then, because I know that a lot of the followers that Dave, uh, both Daves have are, you know, blue collar workers, the types that maybe will never take the risk to start a business, right? How can they take and apply what we've talked about today to like the job place? And how can the regular guy take what we're talking about and apply it? You know what? You can I, tell he's never had a job because he just <laughs> called it the job place. The job place. Yeah. The regular guy. You know, I am pretty dumb. <laughs> the workplace, I think, You've is what we're looking for. So, I like the job place. So oh, here, here's what I think. Do you know why would you ever work hard? Because are you, do you, does it really matter? And this is something I've seen from my guys is you got to be dumb enough to do your best, even though other people around you aren't doing their best and believe that it's going to make a difference because there's favoritism. Who's going to see what you're doing. And so if you don't want to take the risk, like there's, there are people out there that are so risk adverse that they're never going to do it. But if you're dumb enough to do your best at your job and be the best, whatever it is, then you're going to be successful because eventually someone's going to see it. Someone's, I remember when, when, uh, when you left kingdom and it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the greatest. And I, and I remember Dave coming over and I don't know if like, I think it was Dave and a couple other guys. I think maybe they were coming to beat me up or whatever oh, yeah. it was. Do you remember that? Confrontational. Yeah. It got confrontational. That, yeah. And I just remember telling him, someone said, Dave, listen, the truth always comes out. Marcus and I will be great. We'll be friends again. Like, just give it time. And that's when Dave started working with me again. And I'm like, and I remember you were upset because Dave, you know, and it was like, I was a little upset. And, and, yeah. and I remember just thinking, hey, look, the truth always comes out. And so it never, it, it never stays. Bad guys are bad guys. Good guys are good guys. And the truth is most people are good, you know? And now we're all sitting around. Yeah. Table yeah. Together. It'll always you know? come out. And so if you work hard and you, if you're not going to start your own business, but you can use it in your relationship. What about like a personal brand? Cause you know, I, I, I think of like, even the guy sitting around this table, everybody's name means something in their different areas. Like you say, Kenny Thompson, chances are in the realtor world, like did I say that right? Reality world. I don't really? know what I'm Never real had a estate. job. The real, world. Real, estate. real estate the real world. world. That that name means something. If you say either of these guys' names, Heavy D or Diesel Dave in their community, I mean that's a name that means something. Rich Agit, I don't know how many times I've heard your name just in common conversation here in Utah. You know, the what power I mean? sports community and the Utah business community is like absolutely. And you know, even for like you know the kids that went to college and went to parties, I most likely was the DJ at their party. DJ they, Marcus Wing. Exactly, yeah. We talked about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, what I'm saying is... Do you is, have to go formerly known as DJ? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to... It's, it's pretty soon he's going to be a symbol, DJ. right? I want a freaking nickname here Listen, in this show, okay? That's what be I'm working symbol? towards. Like Me a bird. Too. Me too. Do, do you like know what my bird? kids called you as Big Marcus? Like, yeah. it was always Big Marcus. I actually changed my uh, Instagram handle to that, so really? it sticks. How long ago? We'll see. Uh, like six months ago. Oh, no kidding. Big Marcus Wing now, huh? Big Marcus Wing. Big really? Mac. Hey, but what I'm Ooh. saying is is the personal brand. If they're working in a space, you know what I mean? I mean, they may not have a company. They may not have something, but building that personal brand, their yeah. own name. I mean, I feel like that's important. Oh, 100%. Do you know who Britton Johnson is? 
played some basketball here in college and, and he told me something that was super interesting and talking about building your brand. He, he came in and we've done some stuff. He does a lot of kids camps still. And he played for the Detroit Pistons. You remember when Ron Artest, I think it was when beat some people up in the stands. Well, their whole, their whole team got suspended pretty much. And Britton Johnson ended up going playing. He was in the D league or the, whatever they called it, the developmental league. And he got called up and got to play in the NBA for a while. And we were over at the, uh, at, at the compound and he was there. My brother was there and he was telling the story and he said, you know, you got to go play. And he looked at him and he doesn't, you know, he's not, I mean, he looks like a specimen, but he's not, doesn't look like your typical NBA player. And my brother said, well, why would they call you? And he's like, Hey, thanks a lot. You know? And he said, well, here's how the coach for the Detroit Pistons called his coach and said, Hey, I need five guys to play. I'm going to take one from me. Who's your best player? He said, well, I don't know who my best player is, but I'll tell you a guy that has hustled every time and he works. And this is a guy that's going to bring it. And he said, Britton Johnson. And so he said, man, I'll trust it. And so Britton's personal, personal, um, you know, brand was he hustled and he worked and he was going to work. And he said, it was funny because the first game they played the Boston Celtics and, uh, he said it, it was, uh, Kevin Garnett guarded. He, and he said, Kevin Garnett goes, Hey, he, he talked to the guy there. Uh, they got the tip and he, uh, and Kevin Garnett got the ball and he's like, Hey, pass me the ball. Look who they got effing guarding me. <laughs> so that's what he said out loud about Britain and said, you know, but he said that because he worked hard, his personal brand was, I work hard. Well, that's number two that on the takeaway I'm going to give right now is start branding yourself. I don't care if you're the best damn garbage man in the city. Start making the, like a brand for yourself. Start talking to people. Start talking to people that you're giving services to because you don't have to necessarily be an entrepreneur or have your own business to start building a brand. Start building your brand, which could be easy, very easily just yourself, right? 100%. About how many people know, like when I say Kobe, who do you think of? Kobe Bryant. Right? Oh. Kobe. <laughs> well, yeah, you're younger right now. But. Tim's daughter. Yeah. Kobe Bryant. LeBron. Right? LeBron James. Like you get to the point where your name, just your first name, people start to recognize and they associate it with greatness because those guys have done great things with their name. So start doing great things with your name and put your name on it, right? I think that's a big part of it. When I think of, um, you know, obviously Rockwell, to me, that's a very powerful brand and it's become this huge watch company because you've branded it that way. You've made it feel big, strong, powerful, and like welcoming to like, not just your customers, but also to people, you know, that you sponsor and people that you work with, like, your company associates with a lot of people that I feel like it shouldn't, but it does because you guys have created like a family there. You've created like this, this place for people to call home. And that's why I think a lot of big names, I, I see athletes and ambassadors stick with your brand longer than any other brand. And for way less, like you don't go out and pay these people big contracts. Some, a lot of these people you may be only given one or two watches to, but they love you and they stick with you. Why is that? You know, I think it goes to back to authenticity and like really caring about people. I mean, it, you know, it, it sounds funny to say, oh, you care about people, you care about your athletes. But look, I look at our first athletes and we kind of have a rule. You, you guys remember when we first started Rockwell, there was uh, in order to give a watch to someone, you, you guys remember what the uh, what the criteria was. Oh, yeah. It's like they had a pulse. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. if they had a pulse and they had four followers on any social media and they could do any 
trick on a bicycle or anything in the world, if they were a pretty girl, Dave Sparks, I'm going to tell you right now, I probably lost $90,000 in watches to pretty girls at Supercross through Dave Sparks. If that was the criteria, it was pretty much a Pulse Mm -hmm. and... Long hair. Shout out to the Kingdom <laughs> Skate Team. Back yeah, of all Kingdom, yes, yeah making it happen. And and so I I I do believe that uh, there were cool people at the beginning, way cooler than we were, or way more influential than we were that took care of us. Now, as I look at some of them, we've grown bigger than their following, and we still take care of those guys like they are. And I and you know Tank was in here, and he yeah. we were talking about our ambassadors and our giveaways and we were putting criteria of how, who to give what to. And I just said, I got a list of people that anytime they ever ask for something, give it to them because they have been loyal. They, they may not be doing anything now. And, and a lot of them are out of the sport they were doing and they may be working construction or they may be doing, but forever we'll give them whatever they want because when they were cool, when they were cooler than we were, they took care of us. And I yeah. think that's, that's the takeaway is, yep. man, just, we get we treat people like family and and they treat us we're we're treated better than we treat people even yeah so. but you've created a loyal following for sure so that is good i mean obviously those are two big takeaways um and we're going to hit those one more time at the end of the podcast and we have talked about branding marketing for longer than i expected which is awesome because you've got some extremely valuable content real quick before we wrap up talk to us about how you still have a hot wife because uh, Rich's wife, Tanya, she's a great looking girl. She's a babe. She's a babe. And, and she, I'm not going to call her dumb. She's way, <laughs> she's way, with me. way too but. good for you. But, and, and man, like your lifestyle coming and going all over the place and being at uh, Supercross and missing a soccer game or whatever it is, like you've had to sacrifice to make your, your you know, the, the build the company that you have. Why do you still have such a great relationship with that very patient woman? You know, I think it goes to like, honestly, we were talking the other day just about this very thing and, and you find the perfect person for you. And, and I would never call my wife dumb, but very, very naive to believe that I would be, she's let me do whatever I wanted to do. I've taken the family fortune, which at times was very little and she's just let me do it. And she's let me risk it over and over. And I come up with a new idea and she's like, okay, but we were doing really well. do we really need this? And I'll be like, man, I think this is going to be, it's going to be a great one. And she'll go like, okay. And I'll mortgage the house or I'll, you know, I remember one time having $300,000 on credit cards and it's when they change the thing and they shut all the credit cards that, you know, you couldn't do it anymore. And I remember buying uh, gas or I remember buying cereal with my gas card because they hadn't shut my Texaco card down yet. And, <laughs> and she was pregnant four months and that crash that we had was my, you know, that we were pregnant. Uh, I think that was with Rockwell actually. And she just has let me do and believed in me. And I think that's a thing is uh, why I love my guys so much and why I'll always try to take care of my Rockwells. They believe in me, but my wife's always believed that even though my ideas are so dumb, she's believed in them and I've tried to let her. But the other side of that is you believe in her. Yeah. She you, takes, trust, you trust Tanya oh, to do whatever. Oh, yeah. She takes care of everything. Our, like our kids and, you know, takes care of all, all the stuff. And she's great to my family. You know, she was just a perfect person for me. And, and it, and we are like, we don't do stuff with a lot of other couples all the time or a lot. We like to be together. We like to hang out. And, and I think you're really blessed if you, if you enjoy being with your spouse and we don't love everything the same. I hate to shop like I, unless it's for shoes. So like, uh, 
but she loves to shop and I hate it. And she doesn't love sports, but we love to be together. So I'll go shopping with her. She'll go to sports with me. And it, I, you know, we just, we like to do fun things together. And, and, uh, and I think you mentioned it in your podcast the other day. The, the, the advice you, know, you gave me when I got yeah. married, the, the, yeah. the biggest piece of advice you gave me and you pulled me aside and I knew it was important because I, it was either going to be about sex or it was going to be like <laughs> a, a, a little gold nugget of, of advice. And you said, Dave, here's one thing that Tanya and I always do. If we get in an argument, it's makeup or breakup. We determine right then and there whether this argument is going to lead us to breaking up. Because if it is, then we need to start going down that road, right? But if it's if it's something that we can overcome and work on, then we need to start working that direction. We can't just stay stagnant and mad at each other, right? It's I mean, not going there. It's going one. Every argument, whether it's personal, and I learned this in life, and and I think it goes to I've kind of added to that, but everything. Everything you do with every relationship you have is going to lead to a makeup or breakup. If you fight with someone, you're either going to you're going to work it out whether it's a business partner, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a child. Every fight will lead to you're going to make up or break up. So if it's going to be a makeup, let's just get it done as quick as possible and not let it go further. And if it's going to be a breakup, know what that is in advance. If we're business partners, if we're if we're life partners, if you're my spouse, if you're my child, what are the things that you could do to me that would cause me to break up. And if it's not that, it's going to be a makeup. So let's just get it over with and make up as quickly as possible and say our sorries and do it. And and I think, you know, where you talk about um, your relationship with your wife, I started this list. It's called my don't forget list. And I keep it about almost every important aspect of my life, my religion, my faith. Whenever I have an experience that's spiritual to me or that something that makes me believe what I believe, I write it down in this don't forget thing. So if I ever start to lose faith or have it, I go back and read it and it's it's amazing. It's kind of like your battery idea. I'm like, oh, that's why I believe and that's awesome. My wife, I, every great thing she does for me, I write it down. And so it'll come back to if, if there's ever a, point, I wonder, oh, is this worth it? I can read that and know immediately it is. My kids, my business partners, I have great business partners and I love them, but there's times where I'm sure I drive them nuts and they drive me nuts. I'll go back and I'll be like, oh man, I remember when these guys slept on the floor. I mean, Dave remembers we drove seven people in a minivan to San Francisco <laughs> to go to a race and we slept seven people in a hotel. Remember when Ben Moa freaking went nuts in the middle of the night? Yeah. Jumped up. I mean, terrifying. Dave and I used to go sneak into the janitor's closets what was oh, it we get oh yeah. every i think on average any hotel room we stayed at would have at least two to three rollaway beds yeah oh, right. we were going to like different floors taking the rollaway beds because we didn't have the money to go get 19 different rooms so we had to figure out a way to get seven dudes to sleep in one room comfortably and and we did it and dude yeah. honestly it made us appreciate it because oh. now when we go on trips uh you know discovery or whoever's sending us wherever we're going puts us up in our in our own rooms Man, when Dave and I first started doing that, it was kind of weird. Like <laughs> lonely. I, it was low, so yeah, lonely. Yeah. You feel so weird, like your big grand room, and like, man, I could fit like fifteen other friends yeah. in here, and we could yeah. be saving it some was, money. But remember, Carlos would always get pizza every night. Carlos and Ben yes. had ordered nine pizzas, yep. and I mean, those were fun times. But I look at those, and I, I put that down, and I'm like, man, those guys, those guys rode with me when I was hungry. You know, yeah. those guys came to the table when we were eating scraps. So, what did so, you call that book? In my don't forget. The don't forget. Well, I need to yeah. start a don't forget book. It, That's a really it, good I'm idea. telling you. It, it is, reminds you why you do uh, what you do. Oh, I, yeah. I could tell you guys stories on, I keep it on my SE and then I also have a hard written copy, but it is SE. so great. So, so anytime you think, but it, but it works so great with friends. I mean, you can argue with friends or even past acquaintances. And, and it's like back to the relationships that we all have right in this table. I can look back at things in each person in here and go, 
man, that's why I'll always like that guy. That's why I always have that guy's back. I may talk crap on all of you guys at one time or another. Just yeah. I'm really bad at that. So yeah, if I, I, if something happens and I'm like, oh, that jerk, he, yep. he stole this or did I'm this. I'm pretty or, sure it's all mutual, you know, <laughs> you know, I, mean? I mean, yeah, you do it. But but in the truth always comes out, and I'll always go back to like, man, I love Dave Sparks, Dave Kiley, Marcus Wing. Those are my guys. Kenny, I played basketball with him once, and I know he's awesome. I just don't know him. as He's the only guy that's never worked closely with me. But like the three of you guys, 100% you're in my don't forget books of great things you've done for me. And it, it makes it nice because it's so much like you could keep a don't forget of, you know, the bad things as well. And that's, that's just not good. It's, it's just, it's not just, worth it's it. just basically right. putting negative energy and holding on to it, mm. yeah. which I think is negative energy is a, like energy in general is a big part of my life. Like focusing on whether it's good or whether it's bad and just learning how to just let the bad go. Might be time to let go that you guys all drove by me and watched me struggle <laughs> I think it's on the time, ground. You know, if I would have <laughs> been there, I would have Marcus would have picked me up. I would have been there. Marcus would have picked me up. Just let that die. Let us simmer. So that's, I mean, dude, that's huge, man. Obviously, Rich, you've got like, we could go for 10 hours talking about different little nuggets and, you know, pearls that you have as far as just good advice and wisdom. Um, you are a mentor for a reason. We're, we're high energy, high profile, aggressive people. And the fact that we look up to you for advice it says something about your character and who you are and what you do. So this probably isn't the last time you guys have heard from Rich. Uh, we'll probably have him back at some point to talk about some more stuff because he has extremely good insight uh, and just has the ability to like look at a situation or look at a brand or look at a product and say, tweak this, do that. And it's like the fix. So like you can, you, you help me come up with the, I was going to call our business diesel trucks for sale. <laughs> that was going to be the name of the business. And then he's like, no, nah, how about diesel sellers? I think I'm that's like, still our Facebook. Yeah. It's still <laughs> the name of the still Facebook. Yeah. And I was, that was going to be the name of the business forever. So the takeaways here today, guys are big They're These are really big ones. And man, like every time I look at the takeaway list, I'm like, this is so simple, but man, you just have to be reminded of it. You have to have somebody tell you. So what I want you guys to do starting right now, write these things down and then start implementing them in your life. Number one, be dumb enough to do it. Do not sit on the fence any longer. Either don't do it or do it. But do not sit around wondering like, ah, oh, what's going to happen? Is this going to work? Is it not going to work? Make up your mind and be dumb enough to make that big leap into whatever it is you want to do. Dumb enough to believe. Dumb and you got to believe you can do it. Don't just do it if you don't you believe. You have to 100% you gotta be convince dumb. yourself yeah. that you can do it. And that might Even though you're one dumb. in a thousand, look, there's still that one in a thousand. Mm -hmm. So be dumb enough to do it. Number two, start branding yourself. Like start branding your name. If your name is is Tom Ch Ch Kurlinski or something weird like that, and you don't like your name, figure out a new brand for yourself, right? Like figure out a way to start branding who you are and put a like personal brand on yourself so that people can recognize it. And whether you want to be the best in your business organization or the best, you know, business owner, whatever you want to do, start branding yourself today. Um, and we'll probably talk about that more and some things that you can specifically do in a later podcast about exactly how to brand yourself and how to become somebody that people remember. Um, number three is going to be makeup or breakup. If you've got a problem or an obstacle or an argument ahead of you, just make up your mind right then and there. Is this going to end us or end me or end the situation? Or is there a way to solve it? And this applies to your marriage, your personal life, your friendships, your business partnerships, everything that you do. You can literally just look at it and say, I can get past this or I can't nine times out of 10, you can get past it, right? Like rarely is it going to end your relationship or your partnership, whatever it is. But if it's going to make that decision, get out of the danger zone, which is the, the area where you just try to like make something work. That's not going to work. Okay. Number four is create a Don't forget list. And what this is, um, this is actually like 
awesome, awesome. This is my favorite one. It's of, huge of all the makeup breakup. I love and being dumb. But Create man. a list of why you do what you do, and when something good happens, put it in your list. If 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 your good buddy of yours buys you lunch or gets you the birthday present that you forgot about and you didn't think anybody remembered your birthday. Write that down in your list because that's going to remind you why you love that guy so much, why you have such a good relationship with him. If you work for a company and they send you over to Germany to go visit the plant and you love that experience so much, write it in your list because five years from now, you're going to be wondering why it is you're still working for that company or whatever it is. Like, it's, it's kind of gratitude, right? It's, it's, well, it keeps coming back. It's yeah. like we talked Kid Rock earlier. I got the greatest story in the world about Kid Rock and gratitude that maybe next yeah. we can talk about. But gratitude is so important. And, and uh, we talked uh, the Kid Rock thing. It was awesome, his gratitude. But it comes back because, you know, I re- you guys are both in my book of don't forget great things. Uh, my son Rockwell rolled his razor or my wife's razor down the mountain and, and literally, who do I call? Who are the first people I call? And who happened to be, like, tell me how you were driving around by yourself in the middle of the mountains. With like, extra coats, with extra, extra, extra gloves. <laughs> like, like, he rolls the razor with four kids in it. My daughter's Jeep transmission goes out at the top. of. I mean, we are as far back as you can go in the middle of nowhere. I, I just, and I can't find my son. His thing's not working. I'm panicking. When I pack, my family's most important Storms thing rolling in. Yeah, it, it is. I know he's in shorts and it's starting to snow and I can't find him. I'm like, man, I'm calling Dave. Maybe he's in his helicopter and could look. I don't know what it is. I call him and he's like, well, I'm not in my helicopter, but I am about five minutes from you. When he could have been anywhere in the world, drives over, helps us. Dave Kylie just had a baby. He's up there the next day. I mean, those are things you don't forget. And because I didn't forget, I'm like, man, those are two guys I could count on no matter what. No matter any, any, anything else that happens, man, I can't even remember bad things because if you think of the good, it's like awesome. Yeah. So, and that, that helps you kind of balance out remembering the good from the bad because at any, like, you're always going to get screwed. In life, people are going to screw you over, whether it's intentional Sometimes or not. Sometimes it's not intentional. even intentional. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's, 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 not all, it's rarely intentional, I think. But mm. bad things are going to happen. This gives you a way to get over it and remember the good things. And, yeah. and, and the good almost always outweighs the bad with pretty much everybody you're dealing with. So that's a powerful list, uh, Rich. I mean, that is like, that's good stuff. It really is good stuff. And I think if the listeners will take this stuff, write it down, and start doing this stuff today you're just going to be happier. You're going to find more fulfillment. You're going to find more joy. You're going to have more success and you're going to start taking action and taking those steps toward doing what it is that you want to do. I don't care if it's, you want to buy a Ferrari, Lamborghini, get a new job, start a new, whatever it is, just start with this. These are small things that you can do today and tomorrow. They're going to make your life better forever. All right. So Rich, any final words? Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. And thanks, man. You guys are great friends. Dude, I appreciate the best. it. Thank you so much. Guys, thanks for thanks, tuning Rich. in. And stay tuned because next week we've got more homework, more steps to making you become a better person. So thank you for listening. See you next time.